Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week, my very special guest is legendary costume designer Sandy Powell. She's won Oscars for her work on Shakespeare in Love, The Aviator, and The Young Victoria. She started out her cinema career working with Derek Jarman, and she's worked time and again with the likes of Todd Haynes and Martin Scorsese, most recently on his eagerly awaited new picture, The Irishman. I met up with Sandy Powell while the London Film Festival was in full swing. I want you to meet my cousin, Russell Buffalino. How are you? Hi, nice to meet you. It was like the army. You followed orders. You did the right thing. You got rewarded. A friend of ours is having a little trouble. Friend at the top. Back then, there was nobody in this country who didn't know who Jimmy Hoffa was. You gotta go! Get the gun out of his hand! You always charge a guy with a gun. With a knife, you run away. So you charge with a gun, with a knife, you run. Very pleased to welcome to Covered on Film the legendary Sandy Powell. Sandy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We're here at the BFI in one of the BFI's tiny rooms because the London Film Festival is on and The Irishman is like one of the big attractions here. Um, you've seen The Irishman and you worked on it for quite a period of time and it's one of those projects that the, the anticipation for it is huge. Um, what was it? Firstly, you've seen it. What's it like? It's great. No, my first reaction when I saw it was huge relief, actually, <laughs> <laughs> that it worked. I mean, having spent so long on it and um, knowing, you know, knowing that, that they were going to be de-aged from, you know, quite a, quite a few years back. I mean, yeah. it, De Niro is old as he's 85, so he's aged up with makeup yeah. for that. And then he's, talk, he's talking about his life and flashing back. And the youngest he goes is sort of in his late 30s. The majority of it, I would say, is he's in his 50s. Okay. And it works surprisingly well. What did you look to for inspiration? The real guys. I mean, this is based on real people. So we had loads of um, reference material. We had loads of photographs of, I mean, Hoffa. You know, there are pictures mm. of him. And actually, the, the character that, that Bob plays is called Frank Sheeran, who normally people wouldn't know who he was because he wasn't well known. He was a hitman and he was undercover. Um, but the, uh, the book that it's based on is called um, I, Heard, I Heard You Paint Houses. It's written by a journalist called Charles Brandt, and he had access to a lot of photographs because he interviewed the original yeah. Frank Sheeran on his deathbed practically and had access to all his family pictures. So there are pictures that were from the book. And then I actually got even more photographs because I happened to have one of the, uh, the PAs in my department 
was the real Frank Sheeran's granddaughter. Oh, wow. Yeah, who happens to work in costume. That was just a coincidental it connection. Was, yeah. Well, I think she knew the film was happening. Yeah, no, no, sure. Yeah. But, but she was, you know, wow. she, she was in the department. She wasn't allowed access to the set and to, you know, actors and stuff like that. Mm. But it was really useful for us because she she remembers him. I mean, she was a, a baby, a toddler when yeah. he was alive. But she did bring in some extra photographs that we hadn't seen and even bits of um, her grandmother's jewellery. God. So Frank's that are the main character's wife's jewellery, so we have bits and pieces of that. Does Scorsese tend to be very big on research? Oh, God, yes. I mean, it's the first thing you get. I mean, you know, once you know you're doing a, a film with him, I mean, you have a meeting where you read the script, and then the next thing that arrives is usually a box of information, well, it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be a box of books and photocopies and things from his from his office. He has... He's had the same woman called Marianne Bauer, who is an absolute genius in his, um, in his office, uh, who does all the research, and she's just a mine of information. And yeah. you can call her up with any question, and within a second, she's got the answer. I mean, now you get everything, you get your Dropbox filled up. <laughs> so there's masses and masses of digital reference, which is great, but I find that harder to navigate. And then, of course, the other thing you get are loads of films, yeah. film references. Oh, right, fine. So he'll send you films, look at this for, for, for a particular... Yeah, yeah. Well, either, it'll either be all the films that he's been looking at for, for reference, or it might even be just the tiniest little thing. It might just be a feeling or an idea. I mean, having said that, I didn't, we didn't get so much for The Irishman, but back over other films. I mean, on Gangs of New York, he sent me a film to watch because he was talking about a costume and, and for Daniel Day-Lewis or somebody. And he said, oh, you know, with a stripe on the collar, but not the normal stripe, a stripe that goes in this other way. And he'd sent me a film to watch, to look out for a stripe on a collar, on a person. <laughs> and I, I think it was, um, uh, what was it? Les Enfants du Paradis. I think it was that. And from your point of view, is that good or is that too much or is that do you immerse yourself in it? How does it work? No, it's never too much. I mean, you know, if a director can give you every bit of every everything that he's been looking at, it gives you so much information. I mean, it doesn't have to be specific things. Yeah. If you just don't know where their mind is and the kind of feeling and the atmosphere there's, there's, it's always something that you can pick up from it. You and I did a talk um, a, a few weeks ago, and there were some production designs, um, you know, costume designs from films that you'd worked on. And you explained to me, you said, yes, but those are actually quite well made up drawings. That's not what, that's not how I would draw them initially. So when you're first doing it, and you know, imagine that you are talking to a small child or a Labrador <laughs> puppy. How do you begin? Do you is it you with a pad of paper and photographs? How does it happen, Sandy? So yes, I start with visual images first. So I will do research. Um, if it's a period film, into the period, do research around the characters if they're real life people. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the first thing I actually do is go to my own bookshelves, and you know, I've got hundreds of books, whether they're art books or photography books or fashion books or street photography, whatever it is, and. and and just look through the whole lot, whether or not they're particularly relevant to that project, because there's always something that sort of gives you an idea. Oh, right. So it's kind of like a magpie thing. You're just looking for, a, for something that yes, sparks you. Yes. I mean, obviously, I do the, the, the specific research, you know, regarding the, the period or the project or whatever it is. But then I'll just look at pictures, because sometimes it'll just be a 
I don't know, you could look at a landscape that has got fantastic colours in it and it'll just be a colour combination. You think, well, I like those two colours together, I'll get that in somewhere on somebody. And how much of what you design is to do with knowing who's going to play the character? Because obviously actors move in different ways. For me, it's essential, actually. I mean, I'll read a script. Normally, you have at least one actor attached when you've okay. received a script because that's how it's been financed. Yeah, right. Um, so you have an idea of that, that main character or maybe two or three of them, if you're lucky. Um, in which case, when I start thinking about the character, I'm thinking about that actor. Now, in an ideal world, I've met them very early on as well if I haven't already worked with them. And if mm -hmm. I haven't, then I'll try and watch things that they're in, you know, to remind myself of how they move okay. and what their colouring is. Um, because... I find that if, if, if you start having an idea about a costume or a character and you think, oh, I th imagine them in this particular look and you've got that in your head, then you meet the actor and what, what you were thinking of was, I don't know, a tall, skinny person. You get the actor who's not a tall, skinny person or yeah. different colouring or whatever. You have to rethink it because it's not going to work. You've worked with Scorsese on several occasions. How, so do you, is it to do with having good working relationships with directors over a period of time? Is that a kind of a, a key thing for you? Of course it helps, of course it's, I mean, if, you, if you're working with a director more than once, it means you like them. Yeah, and they like you. And they you. like you. <laughs> so, what was the first Corsese you did? Gangs of New York. What'll it be then? Rib or chop? Loin or shank? Amongst you, marked with shame, a freak worthy of Barnum's Museum of Wonders, God's only man, spared by the butcher. Thinking about it, I think I was actually terrified at the beginning of it. I mean, I, I didn't know him. I, you know, he sort of comes with this reputation, um, and it was it was huge. And it, not only that, we were filming in Rome. We actually prepped and filmed the whole thing in Rome, lived there for a year. And what brought him to you? Why, why you for that project? I have no idea. He never told you? He never said? No, he never said, no. He didn't say, I saw I, this film and I knew? I, well, I, I mean, think, obviously your reputation precedes you. But. but I think because it was European based and not in the States, I imagine if, it, if they'd filmed in the States, he would have used one of the designers he'd already been using. Okay. Um, I think because it was Europe, they were the, wanting a European designer. I had just won my first Academy Award, which might have helped. <laughs> how, I, I forget, Sandy, how many have you won and how many have you been nominated for? I've won three. And you've been nominated? I th 14 times, I had to think about that. It's astonishing. I mean, it, it's deserved, but it's astonishing. Do you become at all blasé about it? I wouldn't say blasé. I shouldn't say blasé. Um, it's a difficult one because it's... Of course, it's, it's thrilling to be nominated, um, but I think it's also got a lot to do with the kind of films I've been doing and been offered. So I'm in a very privileged position of um, having, having a choice. I mean, I'm given the choice of quite a few things to do. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I think you, I, I certainly know the films, they're going to get nominated for Oscars for costume even before they've been done. And what, um, it's the kind of film that gets nominated. So the kind of films that I do and I enjoy doing and mm-hmm. I get offered are the kind of films that could get nominated whoever was doing them. Okay. I don't agree with that, but but what <laughs> it, but what is the kind of film? I mean, I think you're being very, you know, and God bless you, but what is the kind of film? Well, certainly period. Yeah. Certainly a period film. Um, and certainly one that's got lots of... I mean, they're usually big, they're usually glossy, they're usually colourful, they're certainly period. Um, it helps if they've got women in it. You know, mm. usually they've got women in it. You've got a leading lady. Right. I mean, I'm sure there probably have been films that have won that have been all men or whether the, the leaders... I mean, one thing that does come to mind was um, Gandhi did win a costume uh, Oscar. That's, that's sort of... I wouldn't have guessed that would. OK. What was the first feature that you worked on? Caravaggio, Derek Jarman. So straight in with one of the greatest visual artists of British cinema. Yeah. Tell us how that how that came about. Um, I uh, I I'd actually dropped out of art school where I was studying theatre design in my second year to go and work with um, a choreographer dancer called Lindsay Kemp, mm-hmm. who I had read about as a teenager because he'd. Um, Coach David Bowie. Yeah, can I just say who everybody read about as a teenager because <laughs> he coached David Bowie <laughs> and Kate Bush. Yeah, um, but David Bowie, and then went. To, well, I think I was sixteen, seventeen. And I went, took myself off to the Roundhouse to see him in, yeah. in Flowers. Then it was, and I, that was it. That was the that was the moment that that changed my life. And I thought, well, it didn't change my life. It, it sort of steered me towards the life that I lead now, yeah. which was to to actually then work in theatre. Anyhow, I'd left college to go and work with him, who I had met and approached and said, I really love your work, can I work with you? And miraculously, he said yes, and that was a fantastic few years. Then I came back to London, because I was working with him in Spain and Italy, and did fringe theatre in London for a few years at places like the ICA. And then I had a show going on at the ICA called Rococo, that was by a company called Rational Theatre. And it had, it was a sort of fantasy 18th century thing. And I'd built the sets and I'd made all the costumes myself. Yeah. And by that time, I thought I'd be interested in doing film as well. And I'd seen Jubilee and The Tempest. And I thought, I know, that's the director I'd like to work with. <laughs> <laughs> he seems cool. And um, I procured his phone number. That sounds really <laughs> stalkery. It was. I, I did what I tell people not to do now. I actually did. I got his phone number. It wasn't so bad back then, was it? You know, you didn't get that many phone calls, did you? <laughs> well, yeah. I didn't. <laughs> anyway, I phoned him up and said, did he want to come and see this show I'd done at the ICA? And he said yes. And he said yes. And he came and, you know, we had a drink afterwards. And then he invited me around to his um, flat for tea the next week. And so an awful lot of it was to do with talent and front. Yeah, definitely front. I mean, I did the same thing with Lindsay Kemp. I actually had to go and attend a dance class to get to him. (laughs) (laughs) I had to pretend to be a cherry blossom. Were were you always, was that always in your personality when you were a teenager or whatever? Did you you dress up? Were you a a face? Then about a face, but I dressed up. I I liked clothes and I made my own clothes. I started off by making dolls' clothes Mm. the minute I learned how to sew. My mum taught me to sew because she made my clothes and my sister's clothes, you know, 60s. And that's what mums did then. I think they, you know, made clothes and used to go to 
John Lewis to, to look through the pattern books and choose a pattern and choose the fabric. And then I wanted to do it myself. So she taught me to sew. And then I just started making my own clothes. So you were sewing from a very young age? Yeah, really young. Okay. And how important is that to, to, to doing what you do, actually being technically able to do the stuff? Well, I think it is important. I mean, not everybody does, and certainly not all designers can sew or even you know, know how to in any uh, shape or form. But I think it is really important to know how things are constructed so that you can communicate that and so that when you're working with people who are making your costumes, you're designing costumes, you're asking someone to make them and they're working on them and if things go wrong and if things aren't right in a fitting, it's much easier if you know how it's constructed to figure out what to do to make it right. So you understand that, like, the, I mean, I, the, the analogy I would think of is it's like being somebody who loves and understands music is different to being able to actually play an instrument. You have to be able to play the instrument to do it properly. And that's what the sewing is, isn't it? It's being yes. able to play the instrument. Yeah, I suppose it is actually. But I mean, I'm not obviously, I'm not a specialist. I'm not the best. You know, other people are much better than me, but I think it's good to have an idea of how to do it. I mean, I actually think it would be useful for producers and directors to have a go in every department in, in, on a film. You know mm. what I mean? I think we should all know yeah. what everybody else does and how to do it a little bit. There's an aesthetic connection for me between um, Derek Jarman and Todd Haynes. I've always thought they're actually cut from a sort of similar creative cloth. You've worked with Todd on several occasions. Tell me about your relationship with him. I mean, Todd is fabulous. I mean, <laughs> he's, a, he's a great friend as well. I mean, he is, it is very similar to Derek. And, and actually, Marty's not dissimilar either. These are all three really visual people. Mm. I mean, Derek was a painter, and Todd can draw and paint and, and sort of expresses himself um, visually very well. And Marty also can communicate himself visually, although I don't know whether he can draw. I bet he can. He used to do his own storyboards, didn't he? <laughs> oh, OK, so, that, so he must yes. be able to, right? He did, as, as a kid. The, one of the first things he did was do a storyboard for some sort of... Um, Biblical epic, I think. Uh, so that, for me, really helps, actually, working with somebody who's thinks in, in painterly terms, I suppose. What was the first Todd Haynes film you worked on? Velvet Goldman. Uh, bloke at the front. Um, Brian, why the makeup? Why? Because rock and roll is a prostitute. It should be tarted up, performed. The music is the mask, while I am my chiffon and taff. Well... Part of the message. What about your fans? Aren't they likely to get the uh, the wrong impression? And which wrong impression is that? Well, you're a blinking fruit. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, sir. No, it doesn't concern me in the least. I should think that if people were to get the wrong impression of me, the one to which you so eloquently referred. It wouldn't be the wrong impression in the slightest. That is me! That's me! That, that, that's me! It's the great lost Todd Haynes film, isn't oh, it? Oh, it is. It's a, it's a classic. Do you still have... Because I, I remember I, when that film came out, I was working at Radio 1, did a whole bunch of on-set stuff. I said, this thing's going to be huge. And then it, and then it literally well, it just came and went. I know. Well... I don't know what happened. And it still hasn't yet been properly rediscovered. It still hasn't had its renaissance moment. I think it's ripe for it. I think it is. I, th I, really, I think there's a whole new generation that would really appreciate it. It's like an alternative memory of, of glam rock in the 70s with characters who aren't Bowie, who aren't Bolin, who aren't Iggy Pop. But from a costuming point of view, that must have been, for you, it's, it must have been a joy. 
It was. I mean, I knew that film was being made before I knew or met Todd Haynes. And I knew there was somebody was making a film about glam rock. And I thought, I want to do I have to do that film. And then it just so happened that I was with Stephen Woolley, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Carlson, who I'd worked with and was friendly with. And I didn't realise that, that Todd was a close friend of Elizabeth's. And I think he was coming, he was actually coming here to London when, I said, oh, was it Poison or Safe? No, it was with Safe. It's Safe, yeah. That's why, and so we met then. And that was when he was, he, he was at the early stages of developing Velvet Goldmine. And I was just like straight in there. Okay, I want to do it. I have to do it. So again, you presented yourself to him as much as you did with Derek Jarman. It was like yeah. you said... I chased that one, yeah. And how did you... So this is the thing I can't... How did you do it? Did you say, look, I, you know, I'm talented and I love the period? Or was it, look, here's the previous stuff I've worked with. How do you... I think it helped that I knew Stephen Liz, obviously, and I guess he'd and seen Jarman my other And Jarman must have been a great... Yes, and Jarman. And, and, and just, we, we just got on straight away. It wasn't really... You know, we just got on. And what did you think of the finished film? I love it. It's one of my favourites. It's absolutely one of my favourites. When people ask me, what are your favourite films? It's always difficult to pick yeah. a favourite, but that's up there. It really is. But not only do I love the finished film, I've just got such fond memories of making it. It was really hard because, of course, we didn't have enough money. Mm. But we just had a ball. It was like a party every day at work. It really was. <laughs> and that's what, that's, again, that, that links up with Derek Jarman because... I'll never forget one of the things that Derek Jarman used to say was that you have to go to work every day with the same kind of enthusiasm as if you're going to a party. If you, you know, there's no point doing it if you're not having fun, if you're not really looking forward to it. It's too hard. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Do you go on set when they're shooting? Yes, but not full time, obviously, because I'm still usually, you know, designing and and making everything for the for the scenes and the weeks and the months coming up. So I go onto the set every time there is um, every time an act. Well, every time an act comes for the first time or every time they're in a new costume or there is a new scene. If there is a new scene and people are in new clothes, every time there's new clothes to be established, you basically go to the set. Or if there's a huge scene with lots of extras, any time there might be some sort of question about something or whether it might not work, I have to be there. So do you work very closely with a production designer? Because surely, clearly the way a costume looks is affected by the environment that it's in. Absolutely. It, more the set decorator than the production designer, because okay. the set decorator is, is involved with the, the things that are sort of closer to 
the people in a mm. way, you know, set, set decoration and props. So yes, yeah, so you, yeah, I mean, you, you remain in contact with a production designer, set decorator. So I sort of see either the sets or the locations and I ask for as much information as possible. So as soon as they've got all those details, they send us so colours and, and images or even if it's just at the very beginning drawings. And, and do, do the, the movies then tend to look like what you thought they would look like? I remember you know, hearing about Yorgos Lanthimos not having anybody on set of favourites, so no one had any idea what it would look like. No, we had no idea what it... Well, we had... I, mean, I guess you have an idea of what the interior is going to look like because we knew what the sets were. I mean, the yeah. sets were Hatfield House, pretty much. So you knew that that was the background. Also, that they, he wasn't using any artificial light whatsoever. It was all natural lighting. So, I mean, that, I knew that was going to be sort of quite stark or right. quite contrasty. But no, we had no idea. We didn't really know what they were doing behind the closed doors because you, you couldn't even see on the monitor because the monitor was really small. They were doing using natural lights and mostly it was dark on the monitor and there was about a thousand people crowded around the monitor who weren't allowed in the, on the set. So in the end, I gave up and yeah, we had no idea what it was going to look like. What did you think when you saw the film? Oh God, I was thrilled. Fabulous, but was it unexpected? Because I mean, I remember well, watching. It I was for- hoping, you know. I mean, I think Yorgos is a genius, and I love all his other. I, I you know, I know yeah. all his other films, so I, I was aware of them. And you, you can tell he's really interested in visuals, and he's kind of off the wall. And I knew whatever it was was going to be interesting. I knew it wasn't going to be conventional, but then that's what's exciting about his work. I think I'm ready for the Russian ambassador. Who did your makeup? We went for something dramatic. Do you like it? You look like a badger. Oh. Are you going to cry? Really? Well, what do you think you look like? Badger. Do you really think you can meet the Russian delegation looking like that? No. I will manage it. Go back to your rooms. Thank you. Having been intimately involved in all these productions, is there any part of you that... Do you ever want to direct? I don't know. It scares me, actually. I mean, when I'm... But that means yes. Probably. I don't know. I mean, I kind of... Other people say to me, you should be directing, because I'm always saying, well, that shouldn't have been like that. That shouldn't have been like... I'd have done it this way, or why isn't this happening? Yeah. But it's very easy to sort of nitpick somebody else's work isn't it it's very easy to sort of set, pull it apart so I'll do this but I mean to actually the, as a whole it's a bit terrifying but you have thought about it yes but I wouldn't know what to do there's not been a project that's kind of floated by your consciousness that you've thought you know I could I could have a crack at that no I think I mean I'm not yeah I, I, I haven't I don't think I'd be an auteur. I haven't got an idea that I would then want to write a script and make the film of. But if somebody presented me with something, it's a bit like um, I'd like being a costume designer rather than a fashion designer because I like like being given something as an inspiration. I like being given a starting block. Do you know what I mean? I like Mm. working with, I like the collaboration. So I like working with a director or having a script and then thinking, okay, now I've got to have a concept, but based on something concrete. And I think I'd be the same about directing a film. I'd like to have somebody start me off rather than 
Mm. Say, I've always wanted to do this. But you're very good at expressing, I mean, just from this conversation and conversation we've had before, you're very good at expressing visual ideas verbally. And you said to me previously when we spoke, I said, you know, what's the trick of it all? And you said, it's not a trick, but you have to be able to have conversations with people that make sense. You said you have to be able to talk to HODs. You have to be able to talk, you have to be able to convey what it is that you're That's trying true. to do. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. You have to, it's about communication. It really is about communication and trying to get on a level with people, trying to, I mean, as a costume designer, not only are you trying to convey an idea visually, you're also having to get inside the head of people, especially actors, hmm. inside the head of your director, if they're not so good at talking, and definitely inside the head of the actors. And, and you've got to figure out every actor is different. And when you first meet them, you've got to actually get a grasp of them really quickly to know how to handle them and to know how to make them feel. But basically, I have to make them feel happy and secure and confident in that I'm doing the best I can to help them find their character. Do you know what I mean? I so if you piss somebody off the minute they meet you, you're never going to... No, if, sure. if an actor is unhappy with something, it's quite difficult to get them back. Yeah, but I'd love to see you direct because I think you have such a... I mean, you know, because cinema is primarily a visual medium anyway, and you, you think in terms of images, and you have yeah. so much experience, and you work with so many people, not all of whom, it has to be said, are the easiest people in the world to get on with. And, you know, you're... You're supremely qualified to do that. So here's what I want. I want you to direct a film, and then when you win an award for it, I want you to thank, thank me. Thank you. Okay. okay yeah. That's right. Just Thanks for giving me the idea. <laughs> the other thing that I think is I, I, I want to point out is because we're doing this, this, is, this isn't an audio recording, but you personally strike a real figure, and you, you, you showed me a photograph of you holding the, the, the album cover of Low, Sort of almost, and if, and, it, it, and it was astonishing profile, how much yeah. in profile you would because I love Low; it's one of my favourite albums. And you know, you you dress fabulously, and and you know, you have great shoes and that <laughs> scarf. Do, how, has that all? I mean, I speak as somebody who wears the same suit day in day yeah, out. Yeah, but that's very sensible. I thought I keep thinking about it'd be a good idea to just have a uniform. I just started doing it because I, I wear I, I wear a suit because of this. I, well, I was on television in, in the 90s and somebody at the BBC said to me, you know what we really like about you? You're the kind of guy that would never wear a suit. And I was so offended by it <laughs> that I have worn a suit ever since. And then what I discovered was if you have just a suit, you know, it's like a black suit, red tie, red shoes, and then nobody notices and nobody even notices what you're wearing. It's like... It's I a, do. No, but that, but thank you. But that you're a costume designer. But but it was a way of kind of not of it being a sort of non-statement thing. It was just like then it was I would just do this and then I look the same. I'll tell you why I noticed because most people on TV look terrible. I want to know who dresses people who read the news and the weather <laughs> because they look. Awful. It's like, I don't even know where they get those clothes. I think there must be some special store where you get <laughs> terrible cars. clothes. Yeah, and, and weather people's clothes. Oh, God, I'm going to upset everybody <laughs> now, aren't I? <laughs> those poor news. But usually people look terrible. And, and especially, I look at it and I think, has no one actually looked at that busy set that's going on around when someone's tie completely clashes with, you know? If the ties thing is always on weird. those news programs of people standing up, you know, and, and and they have all these visuals going on in the background, and it all clashes. I think who's done that? But I've never seen you look anything other than fabulous. But in a very kind of you know, you you cut a figure. Yeah, that's what I mean. And so you know, you I, you could see you across a crowded street, and it would, and I would know it was yeah. you. And has has that always been a thing? 
Well, you can see me because of the colour of my hair. I haven't, it hasn't always been that colour. I think that's the bit that sticks out right okay. now. Which is, it is fabulous, yeah, incidentally. Thank you. Which is sometimes really useful and sometimes not if you do want to disappear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to creep onto the set and not be noticed, that doesn't happen. Everyone knows where I am. Um, I like clothes. I really, really, I really like clothes. And, you know, I enjoy, I've always, you know, since, as I said, you know, before, since as a kid, I enjoyed dressing up and, and that's what I do. And I enjoy it. I mean, I don't think I dress up wildly. I just like wearing clothes. Yeah. And I also think it, it I think, you know, it, surely it helps if you, if you look okay and you're trying to convince some actor to put something on, you know, at least you can say, look, you know, I haven't got bad taste. <laughs> so that's okay so that's part of it is if you, you know, look I know I know how to dress well I know how to dress myself and I'm I think I know how to dress other people as well yeah. what's the what's your favorite film that you've I know you said Velvet Goldmine but what's the thing that you're most proud of oh you know that you you sort of get proud of things for different reasons really and it's really difficult because I'll say one then think of another one in a way, Gangs of New York, simply because of the scale, and it was my mm. first film with Scorsese, and it was epic, and actually almost every single costume in it was made from scratch and, and then painted. It was a, it's a very painterly piece. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, we had to sort of create a world. It was a made-up world. It's based on fact. It's based on these, these gangs did exist in this part of New York, downtown New York called the Five Points, but... Marty wanted it to be a sort of their, their world, to be a sort of like world of their own that was separate from the world outside. And yeah. so it was really a great challenge, but a, a, a gift really for a designer. It's also one of those films that people remember in terms of the striking look of it. If you ask somebody about, you know, Gangs of New York, the very first thing they'll talk about is the clothes, the hat, the mm. stance, because it defines that, it literally defines the picture, doesn't it? Yes, it does, especially the hats. I presume that in awards season, you know all the other costume designers up against whom you would be. Are you all great pals? Yes, we are. We're all friends. Sounds weird, doesn't it? But we really are. We all know each other. We all, we all meet up at the costume houses where we all work. You know what I mean? And then, and then it, especially if you do the award circuit. I mean, for instance, last year when I was doing the award circuit with Mary Poppins Returns and The Favourite, you know, we're just hanging out with the same people the whole time. And we all sit together at the awards. They actually put you all together at the Oscars. So we're all sat in the same row. Do you swap trade secrets? Uh, yes, we do. We do. Sometimes somebody will say, don't tell anybody else, but this is this special secret person. I'll let you have them. So it genuinely is, you know, when people say being nominated is the point and whoever it wins, everyone's happy. It genuinely is as collegiate in that area as it looks, because I know in other areas it isn't. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. I mean, you have to remind yourself when you're sat there with all the nominees. Okay, here we are. We've all been nominated. We're all, you know, should all be very pleased with ourselves. And then, you know, somebody will win and we're pleased. But you're always a bit disappointed it's not you. Because, I mean, whether you, you know, whatever anybody says when you're sat there and waiting for the name to come out, it's still, you, you have a mixture of like relief. <laughs> Great, I can go to the bar now. <laughs> and a little bit of disappointment, but... No, I th everybody's very supportive because we all, you know, we all know what the job entails. We all have the same problems. Where do you keep your Oscars? Um, in my office, which is a small room in my house with all my books in. Are they on a shelf? They're on a shelf, but they're sort of no one goes in there apart from me. You see, if I if I had an Oscar, I would literally have it in the front, like <laughs> in so the when, when you open the door, <laughs> it would like light up. 
and there would be like a little bit of music just so that nobody walked in without knowing that I had an Oscar. <laughs> it, I, you know, hey, uh, Sunny, thank you so much. It's been lovely speaking to you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I really do hope that you direct something because I think you've got, I think you've got more than the ability to do it, and I think it would be really great to see you directing a, a, a picture. Thank you. I better get a move on then, hadn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Not that young anymore. Sandy, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there we are. That's my conversation with Sandy Powell. Thanks for downloading and listening. If you've enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, tell your friends, and keep watching the skies. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.